Welcome to Alive Experience, the online teaching ministry of Pastor Pascal Ngui. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal teaches the Word of God with accuracy and power, always leaving his audience empowered, challenged, and ready for change. As you listen, get ready to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, Let's join the message already in progress. All right. Um, you know, this morning, I just want to go straight into what I'm here to do. Amen. I know I've been giving you announcements about, you know, the conferences and stuff. But I want to go this morning straight into the Word. Amen. Amen. How many of you are blessed by this series, Red Hot Love? Is, is God helping you? Amen. The word of the Lord comes to wash us, to help us realign ourselves. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going to continue. The first week we saw, you know, we're talking about something. And last week, we spoke about something. Amen. (laughs) This morning, I'm going to talk about something. The title of this message is, Don't Marry Her. Amen. Amen. Eight types of women you shouldn't marry. (laughs) Before I give you these women, let me start by saying, I believe it is better to stay single than to marry the wrong woman. I'm not the one saying it, actually. Uh, Solomon, after marrying a thousand of them, he came to this conclusion that is better. You know, if you come with me to Proverbs 21, I'm saying we're going straight into it. Proverbs 21, verse 9, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. The home is lovely, but the wife is quarrelsome. So, Solomon says, it's better to live alone. Like you were better off single the way you were in, before you got into this. Then the same proverb, 21.19. So I've just given you proverb 21.9. Remember this scripture, proverb 21.9, proverb 21.19. It is better to live alone in the desert. I mean, you should think about it. The desert is quite rough. And it's quite tough. But Solomon says, it's better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome and complaining wife. She is quarrelsome and she is complaining. Amen. Number two, some men could have succeeded greatly in this life if not for the women they married. Let me repeat the statement. Some men could have succeeded greatly 
in this life. If not for the women, the merit. Like if you see their success today, that success could have been at least 10 times more. And those that have ridiculously failed, it will interest them when you go to heaven that they, they were supposed to be great successes. But they married the wrong wife. One example is our very own Adam. I mean, this guy failed desmally, completely. And it was not his doing. I mean, really, the whole problem came from the wife he had. Another one is our very own Samson. Full of hope. Full of grace and power. And he was brought down by the woman he loved. So I'm repeating myself. I mean, I don't know what could have happened to Adam if Eve was not in the picture. Maybe much could have been written about Adam. Do you know that everything about Adam ends in Genesis chapter 3? After Genesis chapter 3, you don't hear much about Adam. It's over. Hmm? Genesis 26, verse 34 to 35. At the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives. Judith, the daughter of Barry, and Bezmath, the daughter of Elon. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Esau's wives made life miserable for the parents of Esau. So sometimes it's not just you that will suffer from marrying a wrong wife. Your father will suffer from it. Your mother will suffer from it. Esau's wives made life miserable. Another version says they made life bitter. They made life bitter. You shall never make anybody's life bitter Amen. in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Yes, I will be teaching this morning about these wives and I'm talking to my daughter so that you never become any of these people. And I'm talking to my son so that you never throw yourself in the hands of any of these women. Number three, not all women are marriageable. And let me maybe say, (laughs) I I pray women don't get heated. Next week is don't marry him. So, (laughs) Don't worry. This week, don't marry her. 
Eight type of women you shouldn't marry. Next week, don't marry him. Eight types of men you shouldn't marry. I told you that this series was a buffet. Everybody will get something. Are you blessed? Not all women are marriageable. It's a fact. Genesis 24, verse 24. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my tie. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of the local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The patriarch Abraham made one of his most trusted servants. He, he, he was what you would call today a chief of staff. He made him swear an oath that he will not, like in case Abraham was to die before Isaac gets married, that he will not allow Isaac to marry one of the local women in Canaan where they were living. But wait a minute, those were women too. They had breasts all right. They had everything all right. But why will he say he mustn't marry them? Not all women are marriageable. Number four, a wife can be a suitable helper or a continual sinker. She can be a suitable helper, but on a total different way, she can become a sinker to you. Never forget that. So she, you can be sinking, not because you are supposed to sink, but you are with the wrong person. That's why Paul never married. There were a lot of women. He refused. And he's advising you to do the same. But in case you want to proceed, by the way, even Jesus never married. You see, I don't think it's entirely true to say Jesus never married. Jesus never married at that time. Why? Because Jesus is still busy working on his beloved as we are speaking right now. Jesus is continuously, you see, Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus learned the mistakes of the first Adam. The first Adam messed up the whole thing. So Jesus came and his wife or his bride is the church. Are you listening? The wedding hasn't taken place yet. This whole time, Jesus is busy working on his wife. The beloved dozing of Jesus is he's giving her advice, he's correcting her, washing her by the water of the word, he's working on her all the time to present her to himself blameless without spot or wrinkles or stains. So Jesus is going to get married. In fact, there's a huge wedding coming up. His wedding. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not entirely true that Jesus doesn't like marriage. I mean, he called the church his bride. 
But Jesus is different from a lot of beloved because they are not working on their wives to be. Jesus is not hurrying quickly to marry her because he will sink just like Adam sank. He's taking time to fix her more. You find that scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might, one, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkles or any such thing, but that she would be holy without blemish. Jesus says we must love our wives like this. So wives, allow your husband to love you this way, using the word on you, using advice on you, correcting what must be corrected as time may allow. Sisters, just say amen. I know you are in the building. It is when we don't have the right to love you this way that we end up with Eve's. Eve was told by her husband, you shouldn't take up that tree, but Eve would not allow the husband to direct her. And it brought calamity in the house. Every time a wife pulls out of the covering of her husband, she opens herself up to demons. Satan would have never had access to Eve if she was still under the covering of her husband. But she stopped allowing her husband to lead her, to speak to her. She took the lead. And Satan found this is a broken hierarchy I can access. That's why in the New Testament, the Bible says women must have a covering. And, you know, the Bible also says that that covering is their hair. How long hair is for their covering. One of the reasons for that, and Paul says, because of the angels. For you to understand that statement, you need to go back to Genesis, I think, chapter 8 or 6, somewhere there. The Bible says, when the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, the angels, the fallen angels, the moment they find women that are unoccupied, do you understand? They get access. It's a topic for another day. But I can take you deep into it. Every time a woman is not covered, she becomes the target of demons. And that's why when you are married to a man who is supposed to be your head, and you pull out of that head, you become auto- Say the kingdom of darkness recognizes you very quickly. And that's what happened to Eve. When you read that verse, the Bible says, and they took them as wives. When, when those fallen angels came, they didn't take them as girlfriends. They, they came to occupy the position that men were not occupying. Yeah. So when Eve decided that Adam can no more lead her as the husband. Satan came and started leading her. That is actually what happened. It's yet a story for another day. Eight types of women 
you shouldn't marry. I'm not saying you mustn't marry. I'm saying you should. It's an advice. Look, this, this, this. It's not like now. I'm not giving you laws to follow. No, 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 no. I'm giving you advice. Are you listening? I'm giving you advice to help you make decisions. And I'm talking to my daughters as well so that you make sure you are not one of these women. The Bible says he will find a wife. So you see, by the time we meet you, you are already a wife material. But what makes you a wife material? Avoiding these things. I'm going to talk about eight type of wives or women you shouldn't marry. Number one, don't marry an unbeliever. By this, I mean, don't marry someone who is not born again properly. Don't marry an unbeliever. You know the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The amplified version says, do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. The New Living Translation says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't team up. The New American Standard Version says, do not be mismatched with unbelievers. So when God sees this, a mismatch. It's a match, but it's a mist. It's mist. I like the Aramaic Bible in plain English. It says, do not be associated with those who are unbelievers. The contemporary uh, version says, stay away from people who are not followers of the Lord. I don't think it could be clearer than that. <laughs> Stay away from people who are not followers. Of, and all of the sudden, all the believers become quiet. I'm telling you that do not be, do not marry. And, and all of the sudden, it's quiet. Just the first point already. It is clear. Stay away. Could it be clearer than that? But why do believers continue to marry unbelievers, date unbelievers, relate with unbelievers in a very deep way? Number one, they don't say anything wrong with it. We don't see anything wrong with this. For them, the mind has been trained to think all things are the same. Number two, they actually like them. A lot of believers like unbelievers. That's why they go there. They are not forced. They like it. Let me show something. 
First King 11 verse 1 and 2. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Many. The Bible says he loved. I'm saying they actually like, it's not, it's not like they are not coercing to it. They are, no, they love it. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. You see, the Hittites, these women that gave Rebekah and Isaac headaches. He married from there as well. Look at verse 2. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet, Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He insisted. Listen, my sisters, even though I'm presenting wrong people that brothers should not marry, you too, as you are listening to me, because you will also marry someday. Even though your turn is coming next, next week with the men that you shouldn't marry, and we will take them through. But I'm telling you, already begin to see that if a brother shouldn't marry an unbeliever, why should I marry an unbeliever? The truth is, many believers like unbelievers. They like their ways. They like the way they treat them. They like the things they do to them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They find many brothers boring. And many brothers find many sisters in the church boring. Why are you finding my daughters boring? What is the problem? Are you still with me? I want, I want to make sure you are with me. Do you know that Solomon didn't end well with this is women he married? You see, when you now come to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4 to 6, the Bible says, For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonites, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. All the problems of Solomon are connected to these women that he went after. You see, today you might not understand what I'm saying because for you, this guy is nice. I mean, he takes care of me. He does this for me. Everything like this. I mean, this guy is nice. She does this for me. She, she knows how to take care of me. This and this and that. But this girl, just like Solomon experienced it, that girl you are busy with can take you out of the church, out of Christianity, out of heaven, 
I'm telling you. That's, I mean, look at Solomon. When Solomon was courting and dating these women, he didn't see that his end was going to be like this. Well, we also know, I told you about Samson. Do you know that the parents of Samson even tried to convince him to not go that way? He refused. Judges 14, 1 to 3. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Is there no daughter in the branch where you are? Is there no lady moving around with a skirt that you can see? So must you go in the world? That's the same question he was asking, he was being asked. Is there no girl in, okay, maybe there's no girl in your branch, but what about Patsima? What about Mokwase? What about Sun City? What about these other places? You mean to say there's nobody? Among the people, he started by saying, in my house. But then he said, among my people, now the whole, the whole church. And Samson said to his father, get her for me. She pleases me well. I believe the only time a believer should find himself with an unbeliever, do you understand? Is if he met this unbeliever before he met Jesus. There are those cases where you will find out that you already met this person and you already involved with this person before you met Jesus. When that's the case, this is Paul's advice for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. To the rest, I say this. I, not the Lord. So Paul is even telling you, it's not God telling him. He's saying it himself. Like, this is his personal advice. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Meaning, you were already married by the time you met Jesus. You cannot come home and say, look, I met Jesus, and I don't think you are the one anymore. I want you... If she wants to continue the journey with you, Paul says, don't divorce her. But continuing the journey with you, he said, willing means that she's willing to join with you, follow with you, be a part with you. Most of our, our sons, this person that they are talking about, the person doesn't come to church, the person doesn't love God, 
The person, in fact, they met the person in a, in a nightclub. They, they are busy with other things. It's not about, like, it, they say, if the person is willing to be with you, not just that, ah, you can go to church, I'm going to stay here at home. No. Willing means we are together. I'm, I'm joining you. I'm with you. I'm willing to be with you. That's the, in my, I mean, according to the word, that's the only time something like that can be found. But that's why in the church, you are not married, you, are, you, 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 you actually go and find somebody and you are bringing the person in the church. Look, sometimes those things work, but most of the time they don't work. Honestly. Honestly. What usually happens is that you end up with them back in the world. I'm just telling you what we see every day. Number two, don't marry a fool. The first one is, don't marry an unbeliever. Number two, don't marry a fool or a foolish woman. Wow. Job, first wife, was a foolish woman. Every woman I'm mentioning here was the wife of somebody. I didn't just... No, 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 no. You see, when I said you don't marry an unbeliever, I'm giving you the wives of Solomon and I'm giving you the wives of Samson. When I'm saying don't marry a foolish woman, I'm giving you the wife of Job. He married a foolish wife. Job 2, 9 to 10. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Is a foolish woman or a foolish wife unspiritual? Unspiritual wife. That's a foolish woman. She's unspiritual. She cannot desire. You see, and, 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 and Job says to her, Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Like you are, you are, you are, it's, it's like you don't think deeply. You don't understand certain things. It's like when everything was fine in this house, we were praising God and you were okay with it. Now that there are problems, your advice to me is I must curse God and die. You are a foolish woman. Now I'm saying that this foolishness is not that she's mad. Is that she's not spiritual. She's born again, but she's not spiritual. Brothers, don't just look at a sister who sings well in the church. Ask yourself, is she spiritual? The first question is, is she born again properly? Number two, is she spiritual? 
How will she respond when there is adversity in the marriage? Will she advise you she will go and say Sangoma? I mean, she can wake up and say, look, this thing that the doctor has said here, me, I'm not going to sit here and wait. Let's go to the Sangoma. You will come in the morning from work and you find out that there are, there are, there are staff in the room now. There are bottles under the bed. There are, she has awakened all her bandimos. Everything is back. Everything is back. Oh, everything is back. A little pressure. How do you know spirituality? It's through adversity. Adversity reveals spirituality. The, the adversity of Job revealed the lack of spirituality of his wife. The lack of her spirituality. She cannot handle pressure. She says to him, let us curse this God and die. Why, well, that's foolish. That's deeply foolish. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But people who are not spiritual cannot receive this truth from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit is saying. Only those who are spiritual. Not only those who go to church. Only those who are spiritual. Ask yourself, this person I'm marrying, is she spiritual? Otherwise, we'll get the advice of the wives of Job one day. You will get a serious advice. I was one day driving in the car with the wife of a person. We had finished a church service and she was giving me a lift. As we are driving, she says to me, there were two people in front of us that were walking. She says to me, let's give them a fright. Do you understand what she meant? She's saying, let's drive fast straight to them. And they will be afraid they're riding the bush. And then we'll continue normal as if nothing happened. She says to me, let's give them a fright. <laughs> I'm telling you. I didn't know what to say. I just kept quiet. Let's give them a fright. Tell the neighbor, let's give them a fright. Let's give them a fright. <laughs> what if we are driving to give them a fright and you lose control of the car? Can you imagine the foolishness that you have unleashed from that statement? Let's give them a fright. Number three, don't marry a beauty queen. This is somebody that focuses mostly on her beauty. Don't marry a beauty queen. These people I'm telling you to not marry, they are the people you want to marry, you see? But I'm telling you, don't marry them. A lot of you brothers, you don't like spiritual people. You don't like a sister that is deep because you yourself, you are not deep. You don't like, you like, you like Mumu sisters, sisters that don't know verses, they don't know nothing, so that you can quickly sweep them away. Yeah. 
And you like, you like beauty queens. Most brothers, the first thing they look at, the hips and the thighs. Before they go further. But I'm not saying to you, don't marry a beauty queen. Why? I always give scriptures to support my statements. Proverbs 30, verse 31. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Charm is deceptive. Oh, she's very charming. There's deception in it. Most of the stuff she's wearing are not true. That's not her. The hair is not her own. The, 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 eyelashes are, the eyelashes are not her own. The lips are too red. That's not her real lips. A lot of things are not true in that charming thing you are seeing there in the picture. Even the posture, that posture you see, that is attracting you. It's not how that person is normally. It is called a pose. It's a pose. She took a pose. But people are not always on pose. She, they are on motion. And I don't know whether you can deal with her motion. You see, you are falling in love with a pose. Don't marry a beauty queen, I repeat. Esther 1, 10 to 11. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bista, Harbonat, Bicta, Abakta, Zekta, and Karkas, seven eunuchs who serve in the presence of the king uh, Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown, in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. So King Azaharos married Queen Vashti because of her beauty. And now he wanted to show to people, I mean, come and see the beautiful woman I married. And that's what most of you guys want to do. You want to marry a beautiful girl so that you can show her around like a trophy. You know, when you move around, you know all eyes are on her. And all the eyes are on her, you are feeling good. Her beauty to be behold. But Queen Vashti refused. And that's where you start having problems with beauty queens. They don't flow. I heard of a pastor who married a beauty queen and she gave him fire. Then the members of the church started saying, mm-hmm. He went for the thighs and the hips. Now he must deal with it. Queen Vashti refused to come. As you are marrying a beauty queen, 
get ready for a lot of refusals. Oh, yes. <laughs> Most of the problems of Abraham in this world, do you understand? Most of his problems came from the fact that he had a very beautiful woman standing by his side called Sarai. Yeah. The beauty of Sarai brought Abraham a lot of problems. He almost died in Egypt. Not because he killed anybody, but because his wife is beautiful. Most of people who end up very beautiful, it's a lot of problems. You now become an investigator. You start checking everything. You, you don't have peace. You don't have peace again in this world. Mm. Genesis 12, 1, 11 to 12. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are very beautiful. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. <laughs> you understand? Okay. Then Genesis 11 verse 30, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Beautiful queen. No results. And above all the problems she is bringing to you, she can't produce. And she spends most of her time doing her nails. And she needs, you, you can't come and start saying, go dish. No, 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 no. You see, Queen Vash says, I don't come. I, look, you can't take me to those things. No child. Barren. Most of these brothers that go around seeking for hips and ties, they end up with vashtis. Somebody you can't control, alright? Somebody you can't move with. The only accomplishment is that you have a beautiful person next to you. That's all. You have nothing else. Am I against beauty? No. No. Look, God tells us where to invest higher beauty. Do you understand? First Peter 3, 3 to 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborated hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of an, your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So God is not against your outward beauty, but he says, put more emphasis in the inner beauty. Put more emphasis. People that spend most time on the outward, I've told you a few weeks ago, there's nothing inside. There's nothing inside. I keep asking the African women, do you have anything else apart from your body? Because it seems like that's the only thing you can advertise. 
I'm asking you, do you have anything? I, I've never seen you advertise your mind. I've never seen you advertise anything. All you advertise is your body, your body, your body, your body. Do you have anything else? Apart from your body. That's why you keep making it as naked as you. You, you are pushing the boundaries. I think the only thing left is for you to sleep naked before us. But do you have anything? You see, when you have more to offer, you don't need to push the body too much. The reason why you are pushing the body, and the brothers also being as fools, they don't see beyond your body. And it's when they marry you, then they, just, they ask, what else? Then they realize there's nothing else. There's nothing else. My daughters at ABC, go beyond the body. Go beyond the body. I'm not saying neglect your body, but I'm saying go beyond the body. And don't export, don't sell your body. Look, we sell, we sell what we have. Do you understand? When, when all you have is your body, that's all you will sell. That's all you are selling. Don't be surprised when that is all men are after because that's what you are selling. You are wearing these tight things. What, what, what do you mean to say you are really trying to do fashion? No. You are trying to show us something you have. So when people come for it, don't start now saying, why, why are you, why are you, why are you looking at this? Brother, why are you, why, why? Look, that's what you are selling. You are not selling anything else. You cannot be selling tomato. I come to buy tomato. I say, why are you only buying tomato? Why, why are you not buying mango? But you, don't, you are not selling, you are not advertising mangoes. You are advertising tomatoes. If you are advertising your hips and your ties, don't be surprised when people are coming for them. Don't be surprised. Number four, don't marry a patient. You understand? Do you know what is a patient? This is somebody that needs help. You're not a patient. They go to the hospital. It's a patient. The person needs help. You are seeing a potential wife. And a lot of you are stuck into this, brothers. You start doing small, small counseling, small, 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 small counseling. And before you realize, you start having ideas. No, I actually think, you know, God has spoken to me and this and this and this. God hasn't spoken to you. You are having a patient disorder problem going on with you. Don't marry your patients. I mean, imagine you are a doctor. Then you start sleeping with all your patients. Do you understand? Is it right? You see? The reason why you guys are marrying patients is because you didn't even know what you wanted in the first place. Don't confuse compassion with love. It's compassion. You truly feel that you want to help this person. That is what it is. Help them. Don't marry them. If you marry a patient, you will have to be a doctor for the rest of your life. 
You will give Panadol. <laughs> Paracetamol. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, doctor. Hey, you see, hey, you start feeling this person is using me. No. Look. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's the basic of the relationship. That's what she knows. As far as you are concerned, she sees somebody who can help her. So every day, Panadol, Paracetamol, you have to sit and listen to all her problems. And you have to give her advice. Then she goes and sleeps. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You've married a patient. Fulfill your duties as a doctor. Tell her never, hello, doctor. Doctor, doctor. doctor. Shame, some of you are feeling that if I knew this before I started, I have, I have married a patient. And some of you didn't just marry a patient, you married a mental patient. not just a normal patient. It's a mental one. It's serious. It's serious. Look, when you are believing dosing these people, just say, you know what? I've pushed up to this part. Let me refer you to Pastor Pascal. Let me refer you to Shepard. So let's do, do. Look, listen to me. Listen to me. Be the good doctor you are. Do some referrals. Doctors do referrals. I mean, you cannot stay with a case. You are, you are staying with a case that is finishing you. And you can see the sister doesn't want to go away. No, do some referrals. Put her in the ambulance and send her to Paul Kruger in the name of Jesus. Number five, don't marry a ghost. A ghost is somebody you don't know well, but you are marrying them. You understand? Genesis 29, verse 25. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, wow. It was Leah. <laughs> I pray when you wake up, it's the person you thought it is. Do you understand? <laughs> when you finally come to your senses, when you finally wake up eh, from the honeymoon and all these things, it's Leah. have married a ghost. You don't know what you have married. And it's easy to marry a ghost. Women are very deceptive. Very.
most of the things that you see in them don't belong to them. I told you the story of this guy who married this wonderful angel. And he entered the room of honeymoon. And he wants to crack the cookie. Then the lady put the hand on the head and pulled the wick. And her hair looked like the hair of Pastor Pascal. She put the hand in the mouth. Pull on the teeth out and put in the glass. Tell your neighbor, don't marry a ghost. These are the people you are sitting. You are, you are, you are sitting in the house a Saturday afternoon enjoying tea and coffee. Then there's a car coming and parking in front. And people are coming out of the car with a baby. And they say, hey, hey, no, we are tired, we are tired. Take your child, take your child. And you've been married with her for two years. You didn't know she has a child. She, she hid the child from you. In America, I heard the story of a woman who married a guy and they stayed in the house for seven years paying rent <laughs> and the guy doesn't know the house belongs to the woman he's been paying rent for seven years eh? <laughs> he's been paying rent for seven years receiving notices of eviction when, <laughs> when the rent is overdue, <laughs> after seven years, he discovered the wife has been pocketing that money coolly, coolly. He married a ghost. Another guy in China married a very nice Coca-Cola bottle girl. First child, love of bread. Second child, love of bread. Third child, love. He said, no, 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 no. no. I mean, everybody in my family is slim. And you look slim. Where are all these loaves of bread coming from? All these big children. And she said, oh, hey, I forgot to tell you, I did plastic surgery. You see, before I married you, I was love of bread. Then I went and I reduced. But the genes in me are still love of bread. That's why the children are coming like this. He divorced her and he sued her. In the morning, it was Leah. A person you never... T- you see, this is... I didn't know this is how you are. Now you know. Now you know.
Are you with me? Number six, don't marry a tokolochi. This is someone who carries many signs of the curse. Is remember the signs of the curse I spoke about a while back? This, the seven signs are clear in a person. And you are proceeding. Go on, brother. <laughs> but my Bible says in Matthew 22, verse 25 to 27, now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married. Having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. How many of you understand that this is a serious tokoloshi operating? And you are just proceeding. You are seeing the tokoloshi unfolding itself every day. And you are proceeding. You are proceeding. Go on. This person needs your help, not your ring. Maybe the ring might come after. Get them help first. You are rushing too quickly. Number seven, don't marry a rock. This is somebody who doesn't flow with you. Genesis 19 verse 26. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Couldn't move. A rock. Don't move her. She is unbending. She is unyielding. She is unsubmissive. She is unruly. She is proud. She doesn't flow with you. From the beloved doors, you can see this person doesn't flow. Ah. You are proceeding. A rock has come. Heavy to carry. Heavy. The person is supposed to be your helper. They are your number one opposer. They are not helping you at all. They are opposing you. Everything you say, they have something else to say about it. Hmm? There's a pastor, he was, he, his wife opposed him so much. 
He said, one day he was having a meeting and he suggested something. The wife agreed. He said, hey, please call everybody. My wife has agreed today. My wife has agreed today. My wife has agreed today. Call the whole world. My wife, my wife has agreed today. My wife has agreed. Please call everybody to come and, and hear this. My wife, has, for the first time, my wife has agreed today. It helps you understand what he's experiencing. Opposition. I would like to add Eve here. Silent opposition. Not every opposition is overt. Some are very introvert. But in making sure your will is not done. She opposes you by not saying anything. She opposes you by not coming. She opposes you by making certain moves. Oh yeah. Opposition. It's a rock. You have married a rock. It will be very hard to carry it. Look. Lot's wife became so rocky he couldn't carry her. He had to leave her. She couldn't proceed with him. He was pulling her to a certain direction, but she was looking the other direction. He's saying this is the way. Let's go this way. They say, no, no, no. You don't understand. Look, before you met me, I was going this way. So it's either we go this way or you go your way, I'll go my way. Some are so hard in the same house. This one goes to church here. The other one goes to church there. Same house. Same house. Rocky. You touch her in the night. She will slap you. If you... She said... You touch me? Silly. Silly. Silly man. Do you know how hard I work during the day? You are coming to touch. Touch me again, you see what I will do to you. Silly man. Silly boy. You don't know what people are going through in the bedroom. You are married a rock. It's cold at night. You don't touch. No emotions. No feelings. Nothing. There's no softness. There's no softness. So you are realizing there are two boys in the house. I'm saying there are two boys in the house. It's hard. I pray for my daughters. You should be like power steering. You touch each. Just, just a little touch. You are, you are, you are. Power steering. We can drive with a finger. Don't be this rock. 
the man is sweating, and, and the thing is not moving. He's just her look, just her look. You retreat coolly. He says, so, sorry, mama, sorry, mama. These are the houses where the husband called the wife mama. And the, the ma- <laughs> so, 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 sorry, sorry, mama, so, so, sorry. And the wife called the husband, hey, papa, hey, papa. Let's finish. Let's finish this message. Number eight. Don't marry a boxer. <laughs> Will you remember all these people? That are... <laughs> don't marry these people. Oh. Uh, you don't understand. <laughs> This is the person who likes fighting. She is the woman I spoke about earlier. Proverbs 21 verse 19. Better to dwell in the desert than with a contentious and angry woman. You will suffer. We suffer. Contagious. Everything is an argument. Yeah. These are houses where you can never have peace for two days. Oh, it's a record. It's a world record. You need a medal. We fight over tea, we fight over coffee, we fight over toothbrush, we fight over shoes. We... Everything is a fight. The house is a ring. Some even fight physically. They promise to beat you. They embarrass you before your friends. Eh? They embarrass you before your family. They insult you before your children. Oh yeah. They are ready for you any day, any day, any day, any day. They are ready. They are ready. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaking roof in the raining storm. Proverbs 27 verse 15. A quarrelsome wife is a dripping. You don't know how that how annoying and irritating is the dripping of a roof. You can't wait for it to stop dripping. That's how quite some wife is. She fights you every step of the way. The problem about these boxers is that they don't just stop at home. They take it to church. They fight people in the church. And they fight the pastor. They will fight your pastor before you. Oh. 
If they take you on, what do you think your pastor is? They will take your pastor on. As Ahab, who married Jezebel. Boxers. They face men of God head on. She will say to her husband, go behind, go behind, go behind. Muruti, Muruti, Kakwan, Kakwan, Kakwan. I'll show you. I'll show you. You think we are stupid in this church? Muruti, I'll show you. Jezebel told Ahab, her husband, no, 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 go behind, my honey, go behind. Let me handle this. Let me handle this. First King chapter 19. This, I'm at the end. First King 19, 1 to 3. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. That, then the husband, he came to tell the wife, that, look, Elijah has finished us. And also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel said, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, by this time. And when Elijah saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And when, I mean, Elijah, man of God, The Bible says Elijah ran for his life. The man who killed thousands of hundreds of prophets. One woman. A boxer. Uh, these are the wives. Even the pastor is afraid of her. The pastor said, oh, no, mama, don't worry, mama, don't worry. It's always, no. Ah, no, mama, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Everybody tiptoes around her. Everybody. She controls the atmosphere of the church. She controls the house. Her husband is a puppet. Her husband is Ahab. Her husband is Adam. These are the, these are the husbands of the boxer woman. Puppets. They don't talk. They follow. As you are marrying, please mind these women. Mind them. Don't say, ah, Pastor, me, I didn't know. Look, you always know before you know. But you ignore all the signs. I ask myself, brother number seven, I mean, you saw number one, you saw number two, you saw number three, you saw number four, you saw number five, you saw number six. Everybody's dead. You also go and jump in the bed with the same woman. Oh. Are you with me? And these are the women God wants us to be careful about. Each one of them came with an assignment. Jezebel destroyed the life of Ahab. Delilah dis- destroyed the life of Samson. Eve destroyed the life of Adam. And who else? Um, 
Job's wives almost destroyed the life of Job. Vashti almost destroyed the life of King Azaharos. But he took serious then again. He, he divorced her. He chased her away. Now, we don't encourage people to divorce. That's why you should make the right choice. Four little prayers that can help you avoid these women. Prayer point number one. John 16 verse 4. John 6 verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. When you are praying for somebody to marry as a wife, engage the drawing power of Jesus. Father, draw the right person. No one can come unless you draw them. So anybody that shouldn't come, Father, let them not be drawn. Let them not be drawn. Father, repel them. Please pray this prayer so. Because you can never see a Delilah really from far. The ghost might pretend the whole time you might never know what you are dealing with. But if you are praying the drawing power of God, that prayer will save you from many of these women. Number two. Proverbs 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Father, order my steps to the right woman. Father, order my steps to the right woman. Preserve me. And that's why, let me tell you, brother, that's why sometimes you are into something and God is ordering your steps otherwise. Don't keep coming this way when God is saying, eh, go this way. Many times God is trying to get you out of the journey, but you are pulling yourself back in. And then you end up with a ghost. You end up with Delilah. You end up with a rock. You end up with a beauty queen. You end up with a boxer. A patient. Wow. May God order your steps in the right direction. In Jesus' name. Number three. Proverbs 18 verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So we pray for favor. Father, let your favor rest upon me as I'm going in this journey. Let your favor lead me to finding the wife you have for me. Involve God all the way. Number four, Proverbs 19 verse 14. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but the prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent wife is not from anybody. God has to give it to you. So brothers and sisters, especially brothers today, please stop putting too much emphasis on hips and ties. Seek God. Engage the drawing power. Engage the steps ordering power. Engage favor. Hallelujah. And God will surely help you in the name of Jesus. Are you blessed by the eight women that you shouldn't marry?
Well, I'm going to ask, I know it's quite strong, but just, if you can, just stand at least, and let's just thank God. And you see, I repeat myself, all my daughters, these are the women you should strive to not become. It's possible. And those of us that have already married patients, you've married, and you, say, you I think I've, I've married a rock, my God. Can I tell you something? The power of God is still able to turn that patient and that rock and that ghost into a good thing. And that's why I'm inviting you to the conferences we are having coming up. Please invest in these things. Don't stay there and end up in the wrong place. Don't become a casualty like Adam, like Samson countless of men and women in the world. This morning, let us ask God for grace and mercy. You know, that is my favorite prayer. Grace and mercy. All the letters of Paul, grace be given to you, mercy be given to you. I don't know why you should pray anything else. Pray for grace and mercy. Father, in this time, I'm asking for grace and mercy to not become one of these women, and I'm asking for grace and mercy to be saved from these women. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Pente sempre cobre le manda na mascebre que debra zabra que debra la mente na mascebre debra. Quer a bezebra que debra zopro quando la mascebre que debra zopro que debra la mente na mascebre que debra la lebranda. Maga la bezebra que debra zopro quando la mascebre zebra garaba gora brela garaba da ba. Quer a mezebra caraba gente prezebra que debra gora bala garaba da ba. Me que zebra quando na mascebre zebra que debra do. Canema, 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 kayama, kacheva, preloga, mekava, prasenda, preziga, preleva, azamaneme garabaze, precarabagodabraba. Grace and mercy, let's pray for grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Oh God, I pray for grace and mercy. Do not become this type of a wife and do not marry such a wife. And if I have married one, Father, grace and mercy for her to become a good thing. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. For my disobedience in going away, you told me not to go. Grace and mercy. Oh, yes. Freleste e precaro ma quebrelamenda. Azokote prejica te caparado vrende. Samaneva, capaleva, brocochave. Prendegeza, Zunomaya, Eprekeya, Sapradove, Kebreleza, Ekenemaya, Ekepeyaga, Kolamenega, Kasapalega, Eprenemenema, 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 Epegeyebaya. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Shega de Brazika te capelamendo. Kayabayaba, Kayabayaba. For that grace and mercy. To come out of any journey that is leading me to becoming a boxer, to becoming a patient, to becoming all these qualities my pastor spoke about today. Father, deliver me from this beautiful queen. I want to be beautiful, but not focusing only on the beauty outside. Help me, Jesus, to work on the person inside, inside, 
In Jesus' precious name, we have given thanks. Father, this morning I pray for grace and mercy over us, Lord. Our marriages need help. Our beloved doses need help. Our singlehood needs help. Wherever we are in this journey of life, Father, we all need your grace. Lord, I pray for all our children this morning that you will meet each one of us in that place where we are. Some of us have become chronic patients. Deliver us from that victim mentality. Help us rise again and take charge. Those of us that came from difficult background and passes and, and, and difficult past that have now turned us into very defensive people that have turned into rocks. Father, deliver us from the past and help us enjoy the present with the people you have given us. I pray your grace upon us this morning, Lord. Thank you for these messages you are sending this month to help us, to heal us, to strengthen us. Have your way, Jesus. I give you thanks. I give you praise that a new anointing is coming upon us. A new anointing is coming upon our daughters, upon our sons. Every member of this ministry, a new anointing, a grace from above is turning every broken marriage into a garden of Eden. It's turning every broken life into a whole person. I give you praise. Precious anointing. Move this morning. Restore every brokenness. Help your people. Help us, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you. Thank you that no word can return void. You shall surely fulfill the purpose for which you've sent it. In Jesus' name. Before I close, you are watching this service and you are not born again. Listen to me. The first thing I taught that we should avoid is unbelievers. People who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I know you've been going to church. Are you born again? Are your sins washed in the blood of Jesus? Have you accepted him to be your Lord and your Savior? If you haven't, please allow me to help you this morning. This message did not come to condemn you. Oh no, it came to reconnect you. Please allow me to pray for you. If you are not born again and you are saying, Pastor, I really want you to pray for me. I don't want to continue like this. Please, I'm going to count up to three. And as you hear three, please raise your right hand. I will pray with you. One, two, three. Raise your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. Please don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. This is for you. Raise your right hand. Let God help you. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can take your hands down. Now, maybe you are already born again, but right now you just want to recommit your life to Jesus. Amen. So you are saying, Pastor, look, you have described some of those characters and I kind of feel ish. I'm still finding myself in those things. Look, we are all broken pieces that God is trying to reassemble. So don't feel 
like there's not me look i'm not perfect nobody here is we all need the grace of god so if you are saying this morning pastor i really need help i really need god to help me realign myself I think I have become a boxer. I think I have become a rock. I think I have become a patient. I think I have become a beauty queen. I think I have become this, become that. Listen, we are here to help you. The message is here to lift you up. You are saying, Pastor, I need prayer. One, two, three, raise your right hand and I pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Please take your hands down. Now, I want us to pray together from our hearts. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you today. Please forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for all these precious people that have turned back to you today. Your grace has brought them to this place. May the same grace sustain them continuously in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we are all growing strong. We are going from glory to glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on. Are you blessed by the word of God today? coming up next Sunday don't marry him then coming up also is Onyala Lane Conference happy Everly After Conference happily ever after conference all these things are to strengthen you make you ready for what God has for you. How many of you feel like, no, your life is beginning to get direction? Like, I can feel these messages are really helping me. Oh, yes. Our God is good. Praise the Lord. We're going to share the grace. Amen? Don't miss next Sunday. Especially all the brothers. Be there. Sisters, you should be there twice. Because I'll be telling you eight things, eight type of men you should run away from. Amen. Let's share the grace and fellowship. One, two, three, let's go. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. 2022, my year of bearing much fruit, I will not settle for less. I will be more like Jesus. I'll do more like Jesus. Call me blessed. Call me hallelujah. See you next Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. 
please drop us a comment in the comment section to tell us how this message has helped you. Remember also to subscribe to receive notifications on our latest sermons. You can also watch Pastor Pascal live every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. on our church Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ. Or you can worship with us live in one of our branches in Sun City, Macharora, Padima, Mohwase, Lidach, Rustenburg, and beyond. Have a blessed day and remember we are alive to give life. Whether you're present